Well, in the grace, mercy, and peace of our loving Lord Jesus Christ, I want to welcome each and every one to our service of worship and celebration this Sunday morning. It's good to have you here. Do you know this is traditionally one of the lowest attended Sunday mornings of the year because this is the traditional holiday season and everybody's at the cottage, but I'm glad you're here today and I'm glad that you're able to be a part of our service and to worship together. We want to welcome any who are visiting with us. And so that we have a record of your uh, uh, visit with us, there's a uh, visitor's card in the pew in front of you. Please feel free to uh, fill that out and bring it to the Welcome Center in the SPBC Cafe, which will be open after the service. We also uh, have our Christianity Explored uh, campaign coming together, and that'll be a fall campaign, which will run through October and November, but we have available now a prayer card, and we'd ask that you pick one of these up from the Welcome Center and, and ask the Lord, prayerfully ask the Lord whom he would have you list on here as people that, that he would have you pray for. Pray for their salvation. Pray that they might come and be a part of our uh, campaign as we explore Christianity through the Gospel of Mark. So uh, be sure to pick one of those up and to fill it out. Now, as many of you know, this has been a hard week for us here at the church and for a lot of our people. And uh, we certainly uh, are in prayer for a number of who have lost some loved ones this week. Uh, Dick and it lost his beloved Bev this week earlier. And uh, we want to pray for, for his family. And we want to pray for the uh, service that will be coming up. And on the other hand, we're just so grateful the way that God has looked after things there. Now, the service, as people have been asking, will not be until... A Monday, August the 21st, so two weeks tomorrow, okay? And it will be here at the church at 1 o'clock, and uh, you are welcome to come prior to that time and visit, and then there will be uh, some refreshment time after. Uh, but then you could, you'll find out more about that as we get closer to it as well. We were also very sad to hear of Nancy's passing this week as well, and so our 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 sympathies, our condolences go out to the Hebert family and to the Dick family, and we are very, very saddened by that loss. And I do have the details here, but I was told that it's going to be live-streamed, and that's an easier announcement than trying to read the, the type here without my glasses. But I think it's Thursday, visitation 2 to 5, and then 6.30 to 9, and that'll be at Leamington United Mennonite Church, and then the service will be Friday, 11 o'clock at the church as well. So we want to be, be in prayer for the Heberts and the Dicks as well. And then just coming into the auditorium this uh, morning, I've learned that Willa Shooter's um, sister-in-law also passed away this past Friday. I think heaven has been a very busy place this week, don't you? And we're just delighted and grateful for all of these people who, who love the Lord and yet who are, find themselves going and being ushered into glory. So be in prayer for one another and be in prayer for each other. And uh, we can have those times of just uh, really enjoying things together. Also, this morning, as later in the service, as I announced last 
last week, we will be saying our farewells to Joed and to his family as they prepare to move on to the next stage of their life as well. But there'll be more about that later in the service. But the purpose for saying that is you really want to join us at the Stanley Park Cafe today because there's a big, beautiful cake and it's uh, lovely with beautiful roses on it. And then there's all kinds of baked goods that Janet made and had them delivered earlier in the week to be sure that they were here today. So please be sure to just uh, stop into the cafe after the service. Uh, greet somebody that you maybe haven't seen for quite a while or talked to. Perhaps you never met them. And definitely uh, get over to see Joed and Julie before they leave too today if you have a moment to wish them well. Those are all the announcements at this time. I will ask the uh, worship team if they was going to ask the ushers to come forward. No, I'll ask the worship team to take it over from here. Good morning, everyone. It's good, uh, it's good to see you all here. Um, I invite you uh, to stand if you're able now and let's begin to sing songs of praise and worship to our God today. could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. the name Jesus the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever sing worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you
what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. Silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. And you have no rival, you have no this time let's do a couple of things we'll pray for our children as they go to bible town um, and then let's uh, take some time and commit uh, the offerings that have been given uh, to the lord uh, this morning so i invite you to um, bow with me now as we do these two things we pray for our children before they are dismissed and commit the offerings to the lord father we we come to you and we're we're grateful grateful for all that you have done, grateful for saving us, grateful that you remain faithful and good in our lives, and thankful that we can trust you. Lord, we thank you for saving us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can experience freedom today, and that through you we have hope, not like the world, but a hope that only you can give, and a peace that only you can give. We thank you for that. Lord, this morning I pray for our children as they go to Bible Town. I pray that they would see Jesus today, see more of you, know more of you, 
and grow in a relationship with you. I pray that um, they, their eyes would be opened and their ears would be open to receive the truth that you want them to know today. I pray for their teachers. Fill them with your spirit of wisdom and patience. Give them just the right words to say that our children need to hear today. Lord, we thank you that and we're thankful that you're our source. We're thankful because when we need something from you, we know that your storehouse never runs dry. We're so thankful for that. Thank you for blessing us each and every day. Thank you for the things we know of and the things we don't know of. We thank you for your provision in our lives. And uh, Lord, this week we give a portion of what you have given us. We pray that you would bless it and use it for the advancement of your kingdom. Use it for your glory to see more people come to know Jesus and for your glory, ultimately for your honor and for your glory to be seen. And so, Lord, once again, we thank you for all that you are and all that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Children, thank you so much for joining us for the first part of this service, singing so well uh, with us. I hope you have a great time in Bible Town today. Oh uh-huh. 
Bow with me together in prayer at this time, please. Father, singing that song just makes me realize again that it is absolutely amazing, utterly, absolutely amazing, that you, a holy and righteous God, could even love creatures such as we are. And yet, that's exactly what you have done. You have searched us out. You have wooed us into your very presence. You have blessed us with saving faith. You have made us whole and right and beautiful in your sight. So we come, humbly bowing in your holy righteousness, in your lovely presence. We come with hearts that are humbled and forever filled with awe, forever thankful and eternal gratitude to the God who has done the most amazing thing one could ever imagine. For you, the almighty, sovereign creator, God of the entire universe, have reached deep into our hearts and lives, forgiven us for every sin that we have ever confessed to you, for every transgression committed, for every evil thought imaginable. And it is also utterly amazing, so unimaginable, and yet it's very real, so very humbling. Thank you, God. Thank you for your amazing grace. For not only have you forgiven us and renewed the very essence of life within us, but you have also amazingly broken the very, the very chains that Satan had upon us, the grip that he had had. The chains that bound us to him are gone. You've set us free. For you, O God, Savior and Lord, have ransomed every one of us. Our hearts rejoice. Our souls are free. From the crushing grip of sin and evil, your mercy reigns. Your love flows free. And ours is your amazing grace. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise your holy name. For you have made a way, you spared not your son, not even sparing a drop of your wrath poured out upon him for our sins, things he had never done, things he had never committed, and yet he suffered. He suffered. He never thought the thoughts we've thought, and he suffered. He died. Knowing full well what was coming, he gave himself, and he did it for us. He did it all out of love. His love for you, his love for every one of us. How can we ever say thank you, God? 
How can we ever live up to all that he has done for us? And the simple answer is we can't. But then that's what grace is. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Praise the glorious name of Jesus. Praise the one who broke our chains. Glory to his precious name. Thank you that in that grace you give us hope. An eternal hope. A beautiful hope. A hope that is living within For we are a blessed people and ever thankful for the salvation you have provided. Our prayer is that we might be a people who live in the hope of our salvation and not allow the troubles and cares of a broken and hurting world to steal our peace, to rob us of the joy you've blessed us with. Thank you for that hope. Help us to live it, to be a people of hope, living in the hopelessness of a world that is so entangled with sin and evil. Father, you've told us to pray for one another and to lift every need and care to you. So this morning, we would lift up all the dear ones of our congregation who are, who are hurting and, and who are ill and battling various kinds of illnesses, some knowing that, save a healing miracle from you, they probably won't get any better. And yet they can live in the hope of their salvation, knowing that there is a better day coming. Father, I pray for those who have lost loved ones. Pray for Gerhard and Maria as they grieve the passing of Gerhard's brother a week ago. We pray for Dick and Joanne and for their grandsons and for Diane, Father, as they grieve Bev's homegoing. We pray for, for Bill and for Dick and for Janet and for, for the boys and for all of the family, Father, who now have lost Nancy as well. And Willa's sister-in-law, Father, I don't know who that is who's grieving there, but somebody's grieving. They've lost loved ones. Indeed, O oh God, we pray for all who mourn this morning. For all who have lost loved ones, who have lost abilities to do things, who have lost jobs, who have found themselves in difficult places, wipe tears from their eyes, comfort the weeping hearts, provide for all the losses experienced. We pray for those who are simply just getting older, having to learn to live with bodies that are aging and and the limitations and the many indignities that often accompany this aging business. Help us to be strong when we are weak. Help us to be gracious when we can't do what we once did. Touch us afresh with your love. Meet us at the broken places of our lives. Restore our damaged emotions. Heal the wounds that we live with, even as you would release us from the things that hold us hostage. And keep us from experiencing your fullness. Oh, Lord, there's so many people in this world who don't know you. So many who have never experienced the love and the grace and the mercy which we almost take for granted. As we anticipate the Christianity Explored campaign, we we hope to undertake this fall. Speak into our hearts and minds the names of those that you would have us pray for. And in due course, to invite them to come and hear for themselves as your spirit would lead them to Jesus. May they experience your love. May they realize that you are merciful and filled with amazing grace. 
And now, dear Lord, as we would gather around your word and your table, may we be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, as you would remind us afresh of the great and glorious hope that is ours through the living Lord Jesus Christ, in whose strong and powerful, most beautiful name we pray. Amen. Well, last Sunday, we had a little bit of a surprise at the end of the service, an announcement that I know we didn't all want to hear, but one that, again, is exciting in one hand, is while it's sad for us as a church that Joe Ed will be moving on to whatever God has for him next, uh, it's a delight for them as a family to see what God has for them next and where he leads. And I know that in my own leading and of my own life and how God worked through those times. But we want to say, or at least give a, what, we, what we can only call an official farewell today because this is Joe Ed's, technically this is his last Sunday with us. Uh, he'll be on vacation the next three weeks. And even though he's technically with us till September 1st, they won't be here. So I want to ask Joe Ed and his family, Julie, if you guys come on up here, and I'm going to invite our leadership team to come on up, those who, uh, Kevin and, and the executive and deacons. And you know what? If you are just a, a worship uh, person, a person who has been part of the worship teams, and you want to come up and lay hands on Joe Ed too, please feel free to come on up here and to let's lay hands on Joe Ed. And uh, we'll get him for leaving, okay? Uh, but anyway, as I said, today would be Joed's last Sunday, and we're sad for our loss, the loss of a worship leader, but more importantly, the loss of a brother in Joed and a sister into Julie. Our sadness is made somewhat lighter because of the adventure that lies before them as they begin a new chapter in their lives and in their walk with the Lord. So this morning, we're just going to take a few moments to pray for them, to wish them well, and to really just trust, entrust them again to the Lord. You know, uh, Joed started at about the same time Cherub and I came back to Stanley Park from New Dundee. I think there was just about, I think we were one month ahead of you or something like that in our coming back. And uh, so it seems like, I, and I've come to know Joe Ed now in, in a new number of roles. First of all, as our worship leader here at the church, but now in leadership and, and as part of the ministry team, he has been a very vital part of that. And so this is going to be a, a major loss to us in one hand, and yet we know that God is in this all too. I'm going to ask Kevin Flat if he would just uh, say a few words at this time. Oops. Oh, sorry, Paul. <clears throat> yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm here on behalf of the Board of Deacons and the leadership of this church uh, to express our deep, deep gratitude to Joe Ed and to Julie and their family. Um, as uh, Paul mentioned, uh, they came here about four years ago. Uh, without knowing it on the cusp of a global pandemic. Uh, and uh, Joe Ed joined our, our staff team as our worship leader and, and has been serving faithfully in that role uh, since that time through, through all of the ups and downs of transitioning to online worship and back to in-person worship. And uh, I uh, personally and my family have been blessed, and I know that uh, all of us have been blessed by Joe Ed's leadership uh, by the way that he has directed our eyes upward. Uh, it's never been about Joe Ed, uh, but he's always been 
pointing our eyes to our Lord and Savior. Uh, and he's brought forth treasures from the, the treasury of the church's worship, new treasures, old treasures, uh, that, again, always have been directing our eyes upward, and, and we've been blessed by that. Uh, and, of course, uh, Julie and the kids have become part of our family, our church family as well. Uh, and uh, we've gotten to know them. Our kids have played together uh, with me, those of us who have kids that age. Uh, and uh, they've, they've just become part of our community here. And so uh, it is a very bittersweet uh, time for us as a church um, because we are sad to see them go. And yet at the same time, we trust in the Lord's leading. The, the Lord who led them here is also the Lord who's leading them on as they relocate and, and begin a new chapter uh, in the life of their family and their ministry. And so uh, my charge to you is that we would uh, keep them in prayer as they make this transition. Um, we also ask for your prayers as, as we think about next steps for us as a church, as we uh, consider you know, how, how can we uh, fill that, that uh, hole that will be left in terms of our, our leadership and our ministry here. But we ask for your blessing on them. And um, uh, the other thing that I was gonna mention is that, uh, first of all, we, we are going to thank them today with a card that we've prepared that a number of, of people have signed. Uh, but we'll also have an opportunity as a church family to uh, thank them in a more tangible way. Uh, and you'll hear more about that uh, over the coming weeks. Probably uh, we'll say something Sweet next Sunday. And uh, there'll be an email or something like that as well. So, so watch for that. Um, so thank you, Joed. This time we'll pray for Joed and for DeJulie. Our loving God, we are so thankful that you are a God who knows us intimately, who cares for each part of who we are as people, and the God who amazingly leads us through life. Thank you for leading the Dominics here to our church, Father. Thank you for the fellowship that we have enjoyed with them as a brother and sister in Christ. Thank you that you have gifted him and blessed him in a beautiful way, that he would be our worship leader, leading us, Father, to the very throne of, throne of grace Sunday after Sunday. Thank you for his amazing love, Father. And thank you, too, for the beautiful work you've done in his own heart and life. Father, we thank you for his giftedness, and we thank you for the way he has led our worship teams. And we thank you, Father, for the blessing of just simply knowing them. Our prayer now is that you would go with them, even as you have already gone ahead of them, preparing the way, opening doors, to making things right, Father, for the future for them. And so we pray that as they go from our presence, that, Lord, you would go with them in a beautiful way, that, Father, they would know your love and your care at every turn and every corner. And that, Father, if for any reason the future sometime might seem hopeless, might they find their hope that is theirs, their living hope in Jesus Christ. And that you would bless them with that and continue to just provide for all of their needs. And so, Father, as we miss them, we pray for them, and we pray, Father, that, that your love and grace will just cover them in a beautiful way, and that they will know your hand upon them, even as all these hands are upon them now. Bless them, O oh God. Lead them, guide, direct, and, Father, give them great peace and much joy in all that you are doing. We pray in Jesus' most strong and beautiful name. 
Amen. Amen. Do you want to say a word? No. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine a pastor saying that he didn't want to say a word? Hmm. I don't know many like that. Now, whoops, wrong ones. In honor of the reading of God's word and in honor of the God of the word, I'm going to invite you to stand, please, and to join with me in the reading of Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13. Here now, receive the word of our God as we read together. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who that call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hand. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The reading of God's word, please uh, be seated. Have you ever gone from being absolutely sure and certain of life and everything's moving the way it should be, everything's perfect in your little world, well, once in a while anyway. Have you ever gone to the where you have been in that place and then all of a sudden something comes along and wipes all of that out and, and the most hopeless of all feelings begin to engulf you? Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's, it's, uh, it's something that just catastrophically happens. Maybe it was something like even the COVID pandemic. As people, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are a people of hope. A hope that is bigger than any trouble, any problem, any situation, any circumstance that we could ever possibly find ourselves in this world. We have a hope that is given to us by God. And it is as big and great as God himself. This is the hope that is fixed and it's immovable. And it cannot be shaken. And we've, told, we've been told that there's no problem, no trouble, no situation that could ever possibly shake our hope in Christ. That is until something comes along that just does that, doesn't it? Happened to a man named Robert. It happened when he experienced what was the worst day of his life. It happened when a sudden flash flood swept away the entire family home with his family in it. He lost his wife and all four of his children. Now this was a good family. This was a good man. This was a Christ-centered and Christ-honoring family. They went to church every Sunday. They tithed to God. They read the Bible every day. They prayed together as a family. And yet, it still happened. 
the most unimaginable thing happened. And in what was a mere moment in time, Robert went from being a man filled with hope to experience hopelessness that he had never encountered in his life. Where was hope? It happened to a husband and a wife, Scott and Janet. It happened when unbelievable tragedy struck their family and changed their lives forever. It happened when an unskilled, untrained truck driver with a fake license drove on unsafe, an unsafe load onto the highway. And it happened when a huge coil of steel fell from the back of his truck, directly in front of, the, of Scott and Janet's van, killing all six of their children, yet sparing Scott and Janet. And in that moment of time, they lost all hope that they had, though they too were believers. Their faith was tested in ways that, that I can only imagine. In fact, can't even really imagine. And it happened in an unexpected moment of time, though it would take more than 14 years of healing before either of them could ever hope again. Happened to a man named Job. It happened when in one day he lost his entire wealth, his livelihood, his ten children, his hope, as he questioned the God who could love him so dearly one moment and in the next allow anything, everything that was important to him to be taken away, destroyed, leaving him with nothing but the bewilderment of hopeless questions. The Old Testament prophet Zechariah told the Old Testament Hebrews, the people of God, returning 70 years after, after captivity in Babylon to the desolation of and, of and the destroyed city of Jerusalem and their beloved temple lying in utter ruins. And these people were plunged into the despair of hopelessness in light of what seemed impossible to rebuild that city the temple that took already over 30 years to build in the first place. Zechariah reminded them that they were prisoners of hope. Prisoners bound to, chained to, captive to hope. As God's people, they were to be captives to hope. Bound to the hope that only God gives. Now we, who are Christ's followers, are now called God's people. And like the Hebrews of the Old Testament, we are also to be prisoners or captives to hope. A living hope that is firmly affixed to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and reinforced in our lives every day, every time we come to the Lord's table, for instance, as we will this morning in a few moments. And today I'm going to call this the table of hope the table of our hope. May we pray. Our Lord and our God, now as we gather around your word, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts that we may delight in your presence. Sharpen our minds that we may discern your truth. Shape our wills that we may desire your ways through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Table of Hope. 
As most, of, as most of you know, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the passage of Scripture that we just read a few moments ago, the verses we read uh, in Ephesians 2, uh, 11 to 13 there, uh, sent, uh, 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 he sent this letter to the people, to the church in Ephesus, and not one group of people meeting in one church building. It wasn't sent to First Baptist of Ephesus or to the Pentecostal Church of Ephesus. No, it was, it was sent to all the believers, all of the Christians in that city. Uh, all of them were Christ's followers. Most had been pagans before they became believers, there were some Gentiles who lived in that ancient and beautiful and very sophisticated, wealthy, and extremely pagan city. But the church itself, the Christians itself in Ephesus, were largely made up of pagans. Well, Paul begins his letter by reminding the Ephesian believers of the spiritual blessings that are uniquely theirs because they are now united with Christ. That is, spiritually joined together with Jesus. This is a unique uh, situation to followers of Jesus Christ, who are not only chosen by God, but are also adopted by him to be his spiritual children. And this puts Christ's followers into a very unique and privileged position. And the Apostle Paul goes on to tell them that they are redeemed, that their debt to God has been paid in full, that they've been forgiven of their sins. In fact, God now, looking upon them as if, they, as if they had never even sinned, separating their sin from them as far as the east is from the west, and now they are spiritually awakened. They're enlightened. They're enriched. And all of this is guaranteed. It's made absolute because it has been sealed and made secure by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it all has to do with the fact that every believer in Jesus Christ is just as, as you see circled there, united with Christ. Christ's followers stand out as those who are uniquely different from the rest of the people in the world. And it has, it has everything to do with being united to Christ. So when we get to the three verses we're looking at this morning, Paul says, uh, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Therefore, remember that formerly you Gentiles, by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. In this section of the letter, Paul is calling the Gentile Christians not to forget where they had come from. Don't forget that before you came to faith in Christ, you had no standing with God. You were called, you were the ones called uncircumcised heathens. On the other hand, the Jewish people had a privileged position with God. They had been chosen by God to be his people. They had been given covenant promises by God, promises that separated them from the rest of the people in the world. And one of the signs of that covenant was what was called circumcision, the covenant of circumcision, a physical act that the Jewish people became very, very, very proud of because it separated them from all the other people of the world. And it showed that they were special to God. 
Paul, however, notes that it affected their bodies, but it didn't do much for their hearts, did it? Their commitment to God did not penetrate their hearts. It only affected their outward body. So coming back to his intention for the statement he's writing here, Paul reminds the Gentile believers, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Compared to the Jews, Paul emphasizes five distinct disadvantages the Gentiles had before coming to faith in Christ. First, in those days they were living apart from Christ. They were living apart from Jesus, meaning they had no relationship with him. They were separate from him. They had no expectation of a Messiah, and theirs was a Christless existence and future. Secondly, that they were excluded from citizenship in heaven or in Israel. They couldn't be a part of the people of God. They could never fully partake in any of the spiritual privileges that were promised to the Hebrews. And even if one chose to convert to Judaism, that one person would never really be accepted as a Hebrew. They would always be an outsider. Gentiles simply couldn't be citizens of Israel. And thirdly, Foreigners to the covenants of promise. They did not know the covenants of promise that God had made to them. Not only could they not claim any of God's promises, they didn't even know what they were. The Gentiles simply had no share in what God was doing in Israel. Fourthly, you lived in in this world without God. And without God, they lived without hope. While the Gentiles had many gods, there was only the one true God. And uh, finally, and for our purposes, it's that last statement. Whoops, I keep forgetting the reverse on this one. Is that last statement is without hope. They lived in this world without hope. They were outside of Christ. They were outside of the covenant of God. And being outside of Christ and outside of God's covenants, they were a hopeless people. They lived without hope. They were people who who just lived their lives uh, completely and utterly without the hope of God. For the one true God did not acknowledge them because they did not acknowledge him. Being a Gentile without Christ was utterly and completely hopeless regardless of what a person might have said. Especially if Paul ended here. But he doesn't. Instead, Paul used the strongest transitional argument imaginable when he goes on to say, but now in Christ Jesus. Or, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Two simple three-letter words that changes the entire state of, of what's being said. But now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away 
have been brought near to, the, to, the, to uh, God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul emphatically points to the Gentiles' new relationship in Christ. Gentile believers, would, which, by the way, were the, most of them probably were and are in, in Ephesus, the Gentile believers there no longer lived in an alienated state. Gentile believers are included in God's covenantal blessings. Gentile believers are brought into fellowship with God. And most of all, because of this unique union with God, Gentile believers are a people of hope. In a moment or two, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper. And as I said at the beginning, I'm thinking of it today as the table of hope. This is Jesus' table. He's the one who gave it to us. He's the one who hosts it. And every time we come to it, we should be reminded time and again of the hope that is ours because the resurrected Jesus Christ is alive and well. And in spirit, he meets us here at this table every time that we come to it. Every time we remember his body given for us. Every time we think of his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins, we reaffirm the hope that is ours simply because we are united with Christ. We're going to transition to the table, and uh, you have the opportunity, of course, you received one of those little packets when you came in. And perhaps if you didn't receive one, you could just put your hand up, and there are a few coming around here. The ushers have a few to share with you. Gather round, O people of God. Gather round the table the Lord has given to us. Gather to remember. Gather to rejoice in the glorious salvation that God has provided. God's people all over the world gather at tables or gather at a, the Lord's table or whatever it might look like in whatever country they are in. But all around the world, God's people gather, and they come to the table that Christ has provided. For in God's glorious kingdom, people will come from east and west, from north and south. They will gather together. We will sit, and we will feast at the table of the Lord in the kingdom of God one glorious day. After Jesus had died on the cross... After he had been buried and sealed in a stone-cold tomb, Jesus miraculously rose from that grave. And later that same day when he was at a table with two of his followers in a small village of Emmaus, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And in that moment, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Friends, this is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who have repented of their sins 
and have received his glorious forgiveness to share in, in the feast that he has prepared. At this table he has given, but only for those who belong to him. If you are here this morning and have not received Christ as your Savior, if you've not allowed him to be Lord of your life, then we invite you to watch, but we ask that you would not participate and that you would watch and listen, even question. This table is for the followers of Jesus. Now, as we come, you've, as I said, you've got one of these little packets. This is a really good time to sort of cheat a little and get that first piece pulled back so you can slip the wafer out real easy. And then if you just open the bottom part a little bit, because that's the tough one, without spilling the juice, then you can have it ready uh, for when we uh, partake in a moment or two. If you're at home watching us online and joining with us, you are uh, free to make sure that you have your elements ready, your bread and your juice as well. It was Jesus who taught us that the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He said, this is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. There's no question that we have all failed, some level or other, to keep those commandments. And so we have not lived up in full obedience to the life that Christ has called us to live. So in the next few moments, in the quietness of our worship, I would urge you to invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to show you anything that might be there that would hinder your communion, your oneness, your unity with Christ this morning. And when he shows you, confess it to him. Trust Christ, your, your Savior and Lord afresh. Remember that he has promised that those who would confess their sins, he will forgive them their sins and cleanse them from all iniquity. Let's pray in silence. Eternal and merciful God, you have loved us with a love beyond our understanding. You have set us on paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Yet we have strayed from your ways. We have sinned against you in thought and in word and in deed through what we have done and what we have left undone. As we remember the lavish gift of your grace symbolized in this sacred moment before your table, O oh God, we praise you and give you thanks that you forgive us yet once again. Grant us now, we pray, the grace to die daily to our sin and to rise daily to the new life in Jesus who lives and reigns with you and in whose strong and most powerful name we pray. Amen. 
hear the words of the institution of the, of, whole, of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said to his disciples, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. For you, my friend. May we pray. Loving Father, we praise you for everything that you have done for us through Jesus Christ. For the very Prince of Peace of Heaven came to, to be as we are, to live as we live, to suffer and bleed as we suffer and bleed, and, and yet lived without sin, so that he could pay the price for all of our sin. You are awesome, God, for what you have done, and we praise you for raising Christ from the dead, for gloriously exalting him over all creation, giving him the name that is above every other name, and that at the name of Jesus one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he truly is King of kings and Lord of lords. We praise you that he sits at your right hand today in the full glory of heaven's splendor. And that he lives and reigns forever. And so in this moment of time, we can come here to this table, the table he has invited us to share. And we can eat and drink in, in his memory and to his everlasting glory. Jesus, we're so very thankful for everything you have provided and gratefully accept what you are about to impart to us through the moment of remembrance. We give you thanks for the broken bread, for your body given for us, and for the cup your blood spilled for us, and for all that we are about to receive. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. On the night he was betrayed... The Lord Jesus took some bread, bread off the table from the table they were eating the last meal at. And as he gave thanks to God for it, he broke it before his disciples. And he said, this, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. So as you take that little wafer as you take the bread from the nail-scarred hands of the one who is the very bread of life, receive it gladly. Eat it thankfully. For this is the body of Christ broken for you. Do this to remember Jesus, who is our living hope.
In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, a cup of wine from the table as from the food they were eating. And as he took that cup, he lifted it, probably blessed it as he would have, would have been the custom. And then he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. As you take this cup from the one whose side was pierced so his blood would flow, receive it gladly, drink it thankfully. For this cup is the new covenant sealed by Christ's blood, which was shed so that the sins of many might be forgiven. Do this to remember Jesus, our living hope. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Back when I was in New Dundee, we had gone to a format similar to this that we did on Communion Sundays where I would preach the front half of the message, have communion, and then I'd come back and finish up the message. Some people thought that communion was the end of the service and they were ready to go home. Well, sorry to disappoint you folks. I have a little more I need to say because I haven't told you the most important thing about the eternal hope that is ours through Jesus Christ. And before we finish this morning, I just want to leave you with some of these words. And these words are not for the table. These words are for the heart. This is the heart of the matter, living hope. And I'll do it by reading to you from 1 Peter 1, verses, the, verses 3 and the first part of verse 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Peter wrote these words to first-century Christians who were scattered all apart of the northern, scattered over the northern part of what is today modern Turkey. He wrote it shortly uh, before the horrific outbreak of persecution against the church, particularly by the Roman Emperor Nero in 64 AD. These were turbulent times. Political unrest, social upheaval, religious persecution, especially aimed at Christians. It was a time of great personal persecution as well, resulting in job losses, being disowned by family members, publicly being humiliated, many being thrown in jail, sentenced to death, thrown to the lions, some the worst imaginable happening when they found themselves being human torches, lighting up Nero's botanical garden parties. Peter wrote this letter to emphasize the reality of suffering in the lives of Christians. 
Indeed, suffering is Peter's primary theme throughout this letter. He mentions it 16 times over 105 verses. And he uses eight different Greek terms to express that suffering. Peter knew what it meant to suffer. And he knew the antidote for suffering because Peter had personally met the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Peter had spoken to him. Peter had eaten with him. Peter had physically touched his resurrected body. Peter knew that the object of the believer's hope was this resurrected Jesus Christ. So he launched into a litany of praise. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Well, verse 2. Because it was God the Father who knew you, just as it was God the Father who chose you long ago, and it was his spirit that has made you holy. All the honor, all the glory of what Peter is about to reveal belongs to the almighty creator God, who is no longer that distant Elohim of the, of the Hebrew people, but he is now God the Father. He is now Abba Father, a term never used to refer to God in the Old Testament. Now the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Abba Father, the first person of the developing doctrine of the Trinity, which begins to grow in these points. So what does he say? He says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In this, in his great mercy, that's what we're talking about. This was God's plan. Whenever we talk about the salvation that God has provided for us through Jesus Christ, we will find God's mercy at the very center and heart of it. Only God's mercy could have allowed him to show the compassion for sinful and rebellious people such as you and I. Only God's mercy could drive the benevolence of sins forgiven. Only God's mercy would birth us into a living hope. And that is the bottom line. Salvation births us into a living hope. That's what makes you and I a people of hope. That's why we're described as prisoners, captive to hope. Here it is, a living hope which is guaranteed for us through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because Jesus was completely without sin, because he had fully obeyed the wishes of his heavenly Father, death had no hold on Jesus. Death could not hold Jesus in the grave. Death gave way to glorious resurrection. And we who belong to Jesus, who have had our sins forgiven, who have been cleansed by his blood, we are now children of God, and guess what? We too will rise again from the dead. Amen. Have you ever thought about that? Or realized the truth behind it? That the believers are born again, but not only for this world, not only for this life, not merely living through the... the three score ten years that God tells us we have no look at what Peter says next he has given us new birth 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Does anybody like the idea of an inheritance? I do. <laughs> I love inheritance. That's neat, isn't it? Well, we're all going to inherit something. Peter uses that word, inheritance, to describe our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Inheritance emphasizes our eternal home in heaven. An inheritance that will fully be realized when Jesus returns. An inheritance that is guaranteed by the gift of God's Holy Spirit to us as we live in this world. Furthermore, Peter states that it's an inheritance that can never perish. It can never spoil. It can never fade. This inheritance is pure. It won't lose its glory or freshness. This inheritance is undefiled. It will never be tainted by sin or made unfit for us. And this inheritance will never pass away. It'll never disappear. It'll never come to ruin. It is an absolute assured inheritance that is death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proofed. And it is kept secure for us in heaven itself. In heaven itself. My friend... That is our hope. It's a living hope that was bequeathed to you and me the moment we became followers of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, when your sins were forgiven, and you went from being a filthy, decrepit, lost sinner and became a pure and righteous and gloriously accepted child of God, that hope became your eternal inheritance it's a living hope why because jesus is not dead jesus is alive and well he is resurrected he's the conqueror of death now if you are in possession of that kind of hope which every believer is then how could anyone of us ever possibly fall into the despair of hopelessness and that, my friend, happens only when we lift our eyes off of Jesus. We lose sight of the inheritance we are promised. And we allow the things of this world, the things of this life, the concerns and the problems we face, the unexpected happenings, we, we allow all those things to overwhelm us. The bottom line is this, my friends. All of us have flirted with despair and hopelessness. Some of us have even given in to it for a time. I have. All of us have allowed our spiritual eyes to shift from the living hope that is ours and settled them on falsehoods and lies and deceptions of Satan and his evil minions. There is nothing greater in this life than the living hope God has given us as our internal inheritance. So when the things of this world become overwhelming, when life slams doors into your face or pulls the rug out from under your feet, then, my friend, remember the living hope you have been blessed with. And you can do that. How? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim.
in the light of his presence and grace. May we pray. Lord, allow us the ability to view our suffering and the hard things of this life that we must endure in the light of our salvation and this glorious promise of, of the living hope that you have blessed us with. Indeed, allow our difficulties and all of the problems of living our lives here in this world to draw us closer to you, closer in obedience, in holiness, in trust, recognizing that you are doing amazing things in us and for us all the time. So may we find strength and much grace in the living hope that you have blessed us with, even as we continue to put our faith and trust in the resurrected, living Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand with us now as we sing this closing song, and we're going to sing about and to our living hope. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could imagine so great a mercy What heart could fathom such boundless grace The God of ages stepped down from glory To wear my sin and bear my shame The cross has spoken, I am forgiven The King of kings calls me Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's salvation in
upon your heart the Lord your God is living among you he is a mighty Savior he will take delight in you with gladness with his love he will calm all your fears he will rejoice over you with joyful songs go go in the grace love and mercy of our phenomenal God amen, amen. 